Hello and welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les. Welcome to your state of origin review. What a game. What a game. It was an amazing game of football. Really enjoyed it. Was over at the missus house watching this one and it was sublime from the Blues. Sublime. Nathan Cleary redeemed himself. Matt Burton was a success. Let's dive in to this game. Get real technical. Talk about some of the plays, some of the things that worked some of the things that may change leading into game three. Let's talk about this game because, as I said, it was sensational. So the first talking point obviously has to be Nathan Cleary. He was unreal in this game. 102 metres, two tries, two try assists, three tackle breaks, two line breaks, 400 plus kicking metres, 17 tackles, one missed. Huge effort from Nathan Cleary. I tell you what, if I was tallying up fantasy points for this game, it would be in the high hundreds. I tell you that for free. He was amazing, Nathan Cleary, and really redeemed himself from game one. Copped a lot of unfair criticism from that game, but he came back and proved us all wrong for game two. He is a player of the future. I tell you that for free. 24 years old. He's got a lot ahead of him, Nathan Cleary, and we saw it the other night, just the things that he was doing with the ball. That try assist he had for Brian Toto, that ball that he gave was next level. Really, really good footy played by Nathan Cleary and his kicking game as well to force that dropout for Kalen Ponga. Kalen Ponga couldn't get back there in time. A really well-timed kick that paid off here for the New South Wales Blues. Stephen Crichton obviously making the tackle, but Nathan Cleary, pinpoint accuracy there, and uh, He's just a fantastic player. Really looking forward to his future and a great game from him last night, as you can see by those stats. The Matt Burton ploy as well. Matt Burton coming into this side, playing left center, did a really, really good job. That kicking game was amazing. Those two bombs that he put up, the first one, obviously, for Murray Talungi was the best. The first was obviously the best, that one that went up. And we didn't see it for another 10 seconds, dead set. It would have been five or 10 seconds where that thing was up in the air. And just the way it moved as well, the way it rolled in the air, flat on its surface, it was just impossible to catch. There was no way in the world anyone was catching that. It was literally sitting flat and rolling like you were rolling it on, like as if you were rolling it on the floor, literally like if you were rolling it on the floor. It was a really, really tough kick to catch. And I don't think anyone would have been catching that kick, in my opinion. I don't think anyone would have had the balls to stand under that kick. I know I definitely wouldn't. They did exactly what I said they were going to do. Look like they're spreading it on last. He did those kicks too with ease. You should have seen how much ease. He literally popped one of those up mid-sprint. It was literally mid-sprint. The second one was mid-sprint and then just kicked it literally like it was nothing. I think he's definitely, definitely got to stay there. We'll talk about the New South Wales center spots going into game three in a second, but Matt Burton, that ploy definitely worked having him out there in the centers. I thought Munster was still dangerous. They had a weird sort of hop about him. It was similar to Jerome Luai, that try that he scored, that little hop that he had. Munster had that throughout the whole game. It was sort of like a bouncing thing, like always on his toes, always looking at the defensive line, seeing where the gaps were starting to open up. 
And he also nearly set up a try with it as well. The one that Toto tackled, I think it was Murray Talungi maybe out, uh, or maybe it was Selwyn Cobbo. Um, but yeah, he was literally just on a hop, looking for where the gaps in the defensive line were, saw that he was attracting a lot of New South Wales Blues players because obviously he would have been a part of the game plan there, tackle down and take down Cameron Munster, I should say. Um, but yeah, he was attracting a lot of players, hopping on his feet, staying on his toes, looking for those gaps, attracting a lot of New South Wales players and then getting that ball out to, I think it might have been Selwyn Cobbo uh, before Brian To'o tackled him out. Really, really smart play from Cameron Munster and it's quite unfortunate that he may be out of the next game with a shoulder injury. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully he's in game three for the Queensland Maroons fans. As a Blues fan, I've got a little grin on my face, but I'll try and be as unbiased as I possibly can on this podcast. But Cameron Munster, wow, what a game he had. What a game he had. Still running for 100 metres. Most of his team didn't even get to run for 50. So really big effort from Cameron Munster. And they didn't lose from his faults. I tell you that for free. He was unreal. And speaking of the Queensland spine, I think that Ben Hunt and Daly Cherry Evans are getting a lot less credit than they're due. And I, I mean, in a side that wasn't moving forward, all of their forwards didn't run over 100 metres. The only forward in that side to run over 100 metres was Patrick Carrigan off the bench. I mean, that is how effective the New South Wales defence was. The only forward in the Queensland Maroon side, and you can check this, that ran over 100 metres was Patrick Carrigan. And this stat will get to you. Listen to this. The average running metres, the average running metres for the Queensland forward pack altogether, not including Patrick Carrigan, disregarding Patrick Carrigan because he obviously ran for 100, but every single forward in that forward pack for Queensland other than Patrick Carrigan with the average running meters was 30. It was 30 run meters was the average between them all other than Patrick Carrigan. I mean, that's how effective the New South Wales defense was. Really up in Queensland's face, as I said they were going to be. And it worked. It really did work. They shut down Queensland and they really started to get on a roll, especially at the end there when they got that 44 points right at the end there. But And for New South Wales, I think that Damien Cook as well is getting a little less credit than he deserves. 14 off the bench. He's not used to playing that role in a side. He's used to playing full time at hooker. Understandable, he didn't have the best game. In 46 minutes, I think it was, he only ran for 18 metres. But I still feel like as soon as he came on the field for New South Wales, he had an immediate impact. New South Wales' attack was moving much faster. I thought that you couldn't really fault Damien Cook on too much. I know there were some things, obviously running 18 metres in 46 minutes, uh, what isn't fantastic for a dummy half. Um, but as I said, he's not used to that role coming off the bench. It was a bit different for Damien Cook, but I still thought, as I said, as soon as he came on the field, that New South Wales, they did start to have a bit more momentum. I also felt like the game started to move a bit faster and I was a bit, I was having a discussion in the comment section of the Rugby League Gurus post. We were talking about it, me and the Guru, and while we were disagreeing on some parts, uh, we were talking about it and by the end, I think Guru, he sort of agreed with me a little bit, um, but... Damien Cook, he had a much bigger impact than people would really have noticed. And and especially for a player that ran 18 metres, he was still making the game go a bit faster. Good service at a dummy half. Keeping the defence guessing with those scoots. I honestly think that 
18 meters for Damien Cook must have been a stuff up because I definitely looked like from the outside looking in, from watching on my telly, uh, and I could be totally wrong, it looked like he ran for more than that, especially with the number of scoots he took and the little scurries out of dummy half. I mean, it definitely looked like he ran for more than 18 meters. But regardless of that, regardless of that, I still feel like as soon as he came on the field, he had a bit of an impact for New South Wales and they really started to get some momentum. And you could see that because when Damien Cook was on the field, they scored more points than what they did with Api Coruscant. And it's no dig on Api Coruscant whatsoever. He still had an amazing game, Api Coruscant, in my opinion. The combinations with Penrith, you could really see it with Api on the field starting. I don't mind it. Now, I know there was a lot of talk about Damien Cook at 14. Not many people liked it. I didn't like it. A lot of people that I talked to didn't like it. Um, But I think that I'm sort of warming up to it a little bit. I didn't mind having Damien Cook off the bench at hooker in that impact role. However, as I said in the previous podcast, as I said in the preview, I would have liked to have seen maybe a Nico Hines or someone really, really explosive that can play multiple positions. That's more, I would say, versatile into that 14 role. I think that would work better for New South Wales. But look, Damien Cook seemed to work at 14 for us in game two. So in game three, I wouldn't be surprised if it stays that way with Coruscant at nine and Cook at 14. But I would love to see Nico Hines make his debut for New South Wales. I think he really does deserve it. Uh, and you've also got another dilemma coming in here with the Origin Blues 14 spot. Because I think, look, and this is no dig on Stephen Crichton, but I thought that his performance in Game 2 was quite mediocre, quite melancholy. So unfortunately, if there's anyone getting replaced from that lineup, I think that you'll see Stephen Crichton maybe come out for Latrell Mitchell. But you've also got to take into account that Jack Whiten, Jack Whiten had a really good Game 1, a really good Game 1. So you've also got to take Jack Whiten into account. It is a bit for the New South Wales coach in Freddie Fittler to think about. It's a lot to think about. Who is he going to put in those centre spots? It is going to be very interesting to see who the centres are come game three. For me, there's two ways I see this going, and it's with all the three the same blokes. I either see this going with Jack Whiten and Latrell Mitchell in the centres with Matt Burton coming off the bench at 14, or... I see Matt Burton and Latrell coming into the centre spots with Jack Whiten coming off the bench at 14. I don't see Latrell playing a 14 role. I think if he comes into the side, he's going to be starting in the centres. It just It's just a matter of who out of Burton and Whiten takes the other centre spot. And I think whoever isn't there at the end of the day will play in the 14 jersey. So that's another thing to take into account with the 14 jersey. Will it be left to one of those guys who doesn't make the centre spot when Latrell returns? The next thing you got to take in as well is, will Latrell Mitchell return? Will Latrell Mitchell come back into this side? Because obviously Jason Demetrio doesn't want to bring Latrell Mitchell back too early. I think it's two weeks. He's going to be all right. It's probably around that return date. I think he's returning this weekend. So hopefully he'll be available for Origin 3. Whether Demetrio has the authority to rule him out, I don't think he does. I think it's Latrell Mitchell's decision at the end of the day. Uh, But it'll be very interesting to see if Latrell Mitchell doesn't end up getting a spot in this side. Hopefully he does, and I reckon he definitely will. And then it's just a matter of who do you want in there with him? Do you want Matt Burton or do you want Jack Whiten? For me, and this is going to be a bit controversial, but I think it will be Jack Whiten just because Jack Whiten can play both on the left and the right. Latrell Mitchell's a left center. Matt Burton's a left center 
mainly. I think Matt Burton could do a right job on the right, but I think he's better on the left. I haven't seen him at right centre, Matt Burton, so I wouldn't really know. But I think with Freddie being Freddie, I think it's going to be Jack White and that ends up getting that spot and Matt Burton maybe to a 14 jersey. Does this see Damien Cook or Api Coruscant, unfortunately, being dropped from the side? I don't know, and it's a really tough call. That would be a really, really tough call for Freddie to drop either one of those blokes. Damien Cook especially being in the side for ages in all the winning dynasties that we've had over the past three years or so, I think it would be so unfair for Damien Cook to be dropped from that side. But we'll move on to another topic now. We'll talk about that in another podcast. Very interesting topic, though. Very interesting topic Let me know who you think takes that Blues 14 jersey in Origin 3. Is it Damien Cook? Are you sticking with what you know? Are you sticking with the winning side from Game 2? Are you making any changes to this side going into Game 3? Let me know what you guys think about that one. Uh, Going into the next sort of topic of the discussion and also talking about the Blues here, the Blues forward pack, 8, 10, and 13, only missed one tackle each. They only missed one tackle each. Jake Trevojevic didn't miss any. And I talked about this. I made a post about this. He would change up the defense and he did. He played for 71 minutes. That's just shy of a Ruben Cotter effort from game one. 71 minutes in the front row. Trust me, I've played whole games in the front row. My games only go for about 50 minutes. It is tough yakka. Very, very tough job playing a full game in the front row. 71 minutes. That's 20 more minutes than I would play. Personally, I'd probably be on life support, to be honest. I would be clinging at life, clinging at life, trying to catch a breath there after 71 minutes straight of football. I'll tell you that for free. It was a huge effort. And to not miss any tackles during that time, to make 31 tackles with zero missed in 71 minutes of football, huge, huge knock for Gerbo. Big, big knock for Jake Trevojevic. Uh, But the entire Blues forward pack, to only miss one tackle each, not including Jake Trevojevic. They're eight and the 13, only missing one tackle each. Two tackles between the eight, 10, and 13, only missing two tackles between them. That is a huge effort from the Blues forward pack. And you just showed, the defense showed, because as I said before, the Queensland forwards did not run over around 30 meters. It was a 30 meter average for all of the Maroons forwards other than Patrick Carrigan. I mean, the defensive stat that I just pulled up shows to only miss two tackles between the 8, 10, and 13 is a huge, huge effort. James Tedesco obviously also deserves a shout out here. I feel like I'm only just talking about the Blues, but it was a huge game from them and a huge turnaround, especially from game one. But James Tedesco, 260-something metres. I don't even care. He is just a freak. He is an absolute freak. He was pretty much everywhere on the field, James Tedesco, doing crazy things with the football. Uh, Really, really dangerous as well with his running game, that jerky sort of movement that James Tedesco is known for. Really big game for him. 200, nearly 300 metres from James Tedesco. Both wingers, Brian Toto and Daniel Tupo, running for over 200 metres each themselves just over the 400-metre mark between them. You count that all up together. All of them pretty much run over for around about 700 metres. If you add all of the metres up together between Brian To'o, between Daniel Tupo and James Tedesco, it's around about 700 metres. So that is unbelievable. 
But James Tedesco, definitely a highlight for me. He was amazing, James Tedesco, in that game. And he really complimented Cleary well as well. So Cleary and James Tedesco, two of my men of the match for sure. Cleary takes my man of the match, Bill, though. He was unbelievable. We already talked about him, though. Now, I think I've said this name a few times during this podcast episode, but Patrick Carrigan, a big knock for him in a losing side to be the only forward that ran over 100 metres, let alone around 100 metres. It is a huge effort from him. You could see it on the field, the effort that he put in for that side. I reckon next game, he's starting lock forward. I reckon next game, he's in the starting side. I reckon next game, he plays big, big minutes. I reckon he could play the full game. I reckon he could do a Ruben Cotter job where he plays in the middle, plays that lock forward role, and plays the full 80 minutes. I reckon Patrick Carrigan could do that job be the leader on the field. If he doesn't play 80 minutes, he can play that around that 60 to 70 mark, but just be that leader out there on the field, commanding the forward pack that we've seen him do in Brisbane games. But watching that game and looking back at the stats, he was definitely the leader in that forward pack for me. The only forward to get around 100 meters. Sensational effort there from Patrick Carrigan. Also talking about Queensland, I thought that Murray Talungi on his debut wasn't too bad. He had some pretty decent touches, got some good yardage in his debut. I reckon he stays there for sure. Really good effort from Murray Talungi. And yeah, as I said, not a bad knock for his debut. Didn't go over for any tries, but he was putting in the work. He did a really good job for the Queensland Maroons in that game. I thought KP at fullback was quite good for the Maroons as well. Silky smooth with the ball in his hands, and especially when Queensland Queensland in some stages when they were in the go forward, when they had the momentum in that game. I thought KP was a real standout and a real, real force in their attack as well, KP. So really good game for him. We look at some of the potential outs for next game. Payne Haas, Sindesmose injury, six to eight weeks recovery time. That pretty much rules him out of game three. And that's a big loss for the New South Wales Blues. A meter reader in the forwards, Payne Haas. Uh, Jake Trevojevic and Junior Paulo probably will take the starting front row spots. That leaves a spot for another forward off the bench, depending on who you want to go for. I think that spot will ultimately go to Victor Radley. I think that Radley will sort of take that spot there coming off the bench and being a real mongrel for the New South Wales Blues. I reckon he's going to be unreal. Victor Radley, uh, I think he definitely takes that bench spot left there by Payne Haas. So I think that's a bit of an easier gap for New South Wales to solve. The One of the harder ones, though, one of the harder two, I should say, KP coming off the back of origin with a concussion. I think he's been ruled out pretty much officially from playing in this current round this weekend, obviously with that concussion. So uh, obviously I'll go through this in a bit more depth on another podcast, but I will touch on it now. Uh, KP, other fullbacks in mind. I'm not too sure thinking off the top of the cap. They've put Munster there in the past, but he's a potential out as well, which we'll get to in a sec. The only guy I can think about to replace Kalen Ponga would have to be Reese Walsh. I think Reese Walsh already been in the squad, I think, two times now, two or three times. I think Reese Walsh will make his Queensland debut unless they decide to go down the route of Selwyn Cobbo, which I don't think they will, especially since he's a young kid coming into this squad. I don't think they'll play him at fullback. Uh, it'd be very interesting if they did, and I'd love to see it, especially 
a Greg Inglis Latrell Mitchell type player playing fullback in State of Origin, just ready to rip and tear. I would love to see it. I don't think it will happen though. It will probably most likely go to Reese Walsh, who's actually been in the squad more times than someone Cobo has off the top of my head. I think Reese Walsh has been in the squad, I think one or two, maybe even three times at the moment. Obviously with that knee injury, I think he was still semi in the in the camp in the squad when he had that knee injury. But yeah, Reese Walsh should obviously be the obvious one uh, to replace KP at fullback for the Queensland Maroons. And then Munster with a shoulder injury, which could potentially see him out of this Origin 3 game. Replacements at 5'8". The first one that comes to mind would be Tom Dearden, already in the squad, already at 18th man, uh, has been for the past two games. I think he'll take that number six spot. He's probably trained there at training for the Queensland Maroons. I think he'd be the obvious one to take that spot. A wild card, which I'll just chuck out there now, would probably be Sam Walker to make his Queensland debut. Don't think it will happen, but it's definitely a possibility. Uh, But I can't really think of too many guys that would take that role off Cameron Munster if he is injured and out of this game. So for me, the obvious choice would be Tom Dearden to play that six. But Sam Walker, definitely a wild card to make his debut for Queensland. Also, Reese Walsh in place of Callum Ponga, depending on how severe that can concussion is, but I think that KP will be all right. I think KP is definitely more chance than Munster to be fit for this game, but the two potential replacements obviously would be Reese Walsh and Tom Dearden into this side. Two players already in the squad, so it would make sense for me that they would get those spots. Hopefully for Queensland fans, that isn't the route that they go down. Hopefully that Munster and KP are all good for Game 3, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. As I said, as a New South Wales fan, I've got a little bit of a grin on my face about this one. But there you go, guys. That was your Origin 2 review. I cannot wait for this Origin Decider. Wait.